we have 60 dealerships in the UK and EV adoption is, a, is, is much higher there than it is in the US. And so we're learning things there that we can hopefully apply to our US business in the months and years ahead. This is Full Throttle, the Presidio Group's automotive industry podcast. I'm your host, Jason Stein, Presidio's marketing and communications advisor and host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. On a monthly basis, Full Throttle serves as the industry's meeting point for great conversations with leaders across the automotive world. On this month's episode, technology is propelling one of the biggest auto groups in the country. From AI-dominated marketing to complete adoption of credit applications online, this mega dealer plans for more acquisitions with a new leader at the helm. Let's get to know Daryl Kenningham, CEO and President of Group One Automotive. As we all know, there's nothing quite like a to-do list to get some work done. Now, if you're the new guy in charge of one of the country's largest publicly traded auto retailers, that to-do list just might have a bit more scale than most. Millions of dollars in EV infrastructure investments for your many brands? Check. Searching for additional dealerships to bring into the fold? Check. Filling out the new executive team with new skill sets to prepare the company for growth? Check. Daryl Kenningham is the new CEO and president at Group One Automotive. In the role since January, Kenningham is hardly new to Group One. He spent 12 years in executive roles and an entire career in the auto industry, including key experiences on the OEM side. He believes technology is driving evolution in the retail experience. For example, 20% of all Group One car buying transactions are completely digital, while AI helps drive marketing decisions to reach new and repeat customers. Daryl Cunningham shares what Group One is learning from its many UK dealerships, where EV adoption is well ahead of their US counterparts. And while oil changes have been headed toward extinction, service bays there are far from empty where EVs are concerned. Grab your list. It's Daryl Kenningham on Full Throttle, the Presidio Group's automotive industry podcast. Hi, I'm Daryl Kenningham, and this is Presidio's podcast, Full Throttle. What a pleasure to have you on the program. I know you're still relatively new into your role, but it's great to have you as a guest. Uh, Daryl, welcome in. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's talk about the new job. I'm maybe not so new anymore. How's it going? <laughs> Uh, you know, so far, Jason, it's going well. Um, I'm fortunate I've been at uh, Group One for 12 years and and uh, had a variety of responsibilities here. So I uh, I was uh, it wasn't uh, completely new to me. And then the last uh, two or three years, I I uh, supported uh, uh, much of the company in my role with the U.S. operations and some other staff roles we had here. So. Um, you know, it's going well, though, really, uh, really, um, and enjoying it, actually, learning a lot of new things and trying to get us ready to be successful in the future. What are some of the biggest opportunities that you see now sitting in the chair that you're in? Well, um, you know, the industry is changing so much, and I know everybody says that. Um, and I think it's, but it's a great time, I think, for for uh, for dealers, and I think it's a great time for for uh, uh, dealers like us, retailers like us, that uh, you know we have, um, I think, a level of uh, professionalism and, and sophistication and technology that that uh, customers are looking for today, and I think OEM partners are looking for that kind of uh, uh, participation and commitment and investment. And I think that uh, we're in a, a really great place to to try to provide that. And I think the industry is moving faster and faster and faster. And I think it's um, uh, it's exciting. One, it really is. 
And uh, I think there's uh, new players emerging and new uh, barriers that we all have to deal with or new challenges we all have to deal with, whether it's EV mandates or or investments in electrification or alternative fuel or uh, other things. But uh, I think it's a terrific time. I really do. And I think there's opportunity out there. Let's talk about some of those barriers or obstacles, challenges, maybe even opportunities. Yeah. We'll take them one by one. Uh, EV and infrastructure. What's your view on that as it relates to Group One? Well, you know, we're making infrastructure investments, um, you know, in the millions of dollars to support EV across uh, nearly every brand. And uh, every brand is is a little bit different in what they're requiring. And we're trying to be smart about those investments. We're trying to invest not just for today, but, you know, for, for the future. And the, uh, the hard part of that is things are changing so quickly. The requirements on the um, charging infrastructure is changing quickly. And you have uh, other investments going on at the same time in your facilities and in your buildings. And you want to try to make sure that those uh, are, are in coordination with each other. So um, it's, um, you know, where that business model heads is, is, uh, uh, is to be seen, I think. And the adoption rate is to be seen. And one of the things that, that we like about it is, you know, we have 60 dealerships in the UK and EV adoption is, a, is, is much higher there than it is in the US. And so we're learning things there that we can hopefully apply to our U.S. business in the months and years ahead. What sorts of things are you learning in the U.K.? Well, you know, the service model on EVs, we're learning quite a lot about uh, in the U.K. And uh, things that, you know, there's there's always, a, I think, a perception that EVs don't need um, uh, service. Well, uh, right. in our shops in the U.K., our, our, our shops are full of EVs. And uh, whether it's suspension componentry or electrical issues, uh, they go through tires very quickly. Um, we're having to get in the tire business uh, in a big way in the UK, much bigger than we are in the US. And, um, you know, that replaces, there's no oil changes, but, you know, honestly, um, I think if you ask any dealer in America, if you didn't have to do another oil change in your life, would that be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, it, it, it can be a customer dissatisfier and it's a, it's a very low margin part of your business. So uh, we, um, uh, you know, can work on on uh, something that has a little higher value for customers. And so we're learning an awful lot. It takes different skill sets, takes different equipment, uh, obviously, in the shops to be able to service those cars. And that's um, all coming at us in the U.S. and uh, pretty quickly, I think. What if you installed all the infrastructure and the consumer never came? Well, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're making bets along with our OEM partners. So yeah, <laughs> we right. We have to move in lockstep with them, and we support them in those. And uh, you know, I am, um, you know, they often they can't uh, they can't make decisions on their uh, powertrain strategies based on who's in the White House. They have to make them based on longer term decisions than that. So, you know, and and many of them have made bets that that uh, EVs are going to be here in, in a big way and. Um, I don't think it's a straight line up, and I think we're seeing that already. And I think we're seeing, you know, some first-generation owners maybe rethink it a little bit. Um, and and as they as they have dealt with the realities of infrastructure and range anxiety and those kind of things, and uh, the convenience of uh, owning a, a gasoline vehicle versus an EV, um, they've been through a generation now, and uh, I think some of them are rethinking that a little bit, but. 
uh, you know, you're also seeing the prices of EVs come down. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's more price reductions this week in, uh, in some, uh, some makes. And, and I expect that that'll continue to drive some demand as well. On pricing, and when we talk about market forces, the industry has a bit of an issue with affordability and average transaction prices, which has, has been talked about recently, will be over $50,000, right. if not higher, relatively soon. And we've talked on this program with various guests about that. What's your view on affordability and well, where are we headed? Yeah, I think it's I think it's an issue. I think it's uh, something that, especially when you combine it with uh, uh, where where interest rates are today, um, even even uh, that that um, becomes an issue. And and you see people trading down. You see terms extending a little bit. Um, you see more APR support from from the OEMs. Uh, you see some lease support now that we haven't seen in in uh, quite some time. So. Uh, I think the OEMs recognize it as well, and um, you know that's something that has to that has to be dealt with. And you know, honestly, through a lot of the pandemic and afterwards, through the the, the chip supply issues, you know, customers seem to be picking higher contented cars. A lot of the cars that we were selling were on based on a customer order, and what they were ordering had a lot of content on it. That wasn't necessarily wasn't necessarily us driving that or the OEMs driving it. It's that's what the the customers wanted. And, so it'll be interesting to see if that stays or if some of that content comes out uh, coming in the, in the future. When we think about um, acquisitions and, uh, and, and where we go in 2023, and, and Group One's been very active in the acquisition space, as have others, where are we headed on the acquisition side of things? Are, are you, in a, you in a buy mode? Uh, yeah, we're in a buy mode. We, uh, we want to grow the company. We want to continue to expand uh, our footprint. We like to we like to grow uh, and fill out um, in clusters where we are. Uh, we don't have a vision that we'll have a nationwide network and service every market in the country. That's that's not our vision. Our our vision is to have uh, representation in a market, service the customers in that market, and then drive them through our after sales business and continue to keep them uh, on a, uh, throughout their life cycle and hopefully you know do that again and again and again and. So we're um, that's how we focus, and that's we have some some areas of the country that we would like to expand in, and uh, there's certainly some brands that we like more than others. And um, but we're uh, yeah, we want to grow the company. That's that's for sure. And we we've grown in the last two years. We've uh, we've added three and a half billion dollars in acquisitions and uh, in revenue uh, through acquisitions. So. Uh, and I think you'll continue to see us uh, be be aggressive there. Are you seeing market forces change as as it relates to pricing? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we are. I think uh, especially uh, as uh, the calendar year turns to twenty three, I think there's some moderation in uh, some of the valuations, and I think some of the sellers' expectations are coming down. And um, you know. When when we're in a negotiation with a seller, we're we're always talking to them about we're pricing these things based on what they will make, not what they did make. And uh, so sometimes you have to incorporate you know lower gross profits in, into that model, and sometimes you have to incorporate a, a big capex investment for a facility and things like that that uh, potentially weren't in their numbers in the past. And you know what we're seeing in the, the, now is that uh, I think sellers are starting to realize that moving forward. And they want to valuation. So, you know, yeah. I think they feel like if they can sell now, that's better than six months or a year from now. Yeah, for sure. 
when it was announced that you were taking the role that you have, you talked about the importance and the focus on technology to drive change within automotive retail. What did you mean by that? Well, I think there's areas in our in our business where we can make it easier for customers to do business with us. And we want to be really easy to do business with us. We want customers to, to do business on their terms, when and how they want to do business with us. And um, a lot of times uh, using technology is the way to do that. And whether they're they're scheduling uh, with us or whether they're paying uh, for service with us or whether we're paying them for a trade or whether they're shopping and buying a car online, uh, there's there's an infinite number of ways we can leverage technology to improve our business and and uh, and take cost out of our business. We're we're using uh, uh, robotic process automation in many areas of our business where where we're uh, able to process thousands of invoices uh, accurately, uh, very quickly, and 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 stock in vehicles that we used to have to do one at a time, and uh, we're able to do. Um, uh, credit applications where uh, are all online, where customers do that. We don't sit there in a showroom and fill them out by hand anymore. Um, we're, we're using uh, uh, artificial intelligence to to drive our marketing decisions and and touch customers in a way that's relevant for them and relevant for uh, uh, what's how they want to do business. So there's all sorts of opportunity to leverage technology in our business to be able to to try to drive a, a better customer experience. And on that point, if we look out, uh, you know, a handful of years, how will the buying process change, or or where will it most radically change, in your view? Well, I I, I don't know that it'll go completely digital, Jason. To be honest with you, um, the way that we have our uh, our digital retailing process set up, which you know is accelerated for us, is we um, you know customers can choose to to go completely digital or or, or completely non digital. It's their choice or some mix of the two. We find the vast majority of customers uh, choose a hybrid, and they'll they'll do part of the transaction online, and then they'll do part of it inside the dealership. And a lot of that is you know this still an experiential emotional purchase the vehicle is. And so customers want to see the vehicle and they want to come and look at it and and. Uh, so we still see um, uh, quite a bit of that. About 20% of our, our sales are online or are completely digital. And then the other 80% are some mix of uh, uh, digital and non-digital. So we have, um, uh, uh, and every month we see, we see the number continue to escalate. And in our minds, that's just customers choosing to go more digital with their, with their purchase. And we just want to make it as easy as possible to do it, integrate as many steps as we possibly can, take steps out of the process. That's really what our, what our focus is. Daryl, much talk over the last year or so around the agency model. Uh, there's been a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, conversation taking place at the OEM uh, or within OEMs uh, around cutting costs. And in some cases, it's labeled as marketing cost. What's your view on on all of that? There's a lot of uh, consternation um, in the marketplace around this subject. Yeah, in our in our UK business, we've been on the agency model in our Mercedes stores since January. And so we're we're developing some experience with it. And uh, there are different um, variations on agency, and all of the OEMs are, are taking a little bit different view of it in the UK. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it remains to be seen how successful it will be. Um, you know, if it's a pure agency model where basically we just deliver the car and the, customer, and the OEM does all the marketing and the price is fixed and uh, everything else, we'll, we'll participate in the, in the, the used car 
trade will participate in the FNI if there's a, a need for a customer to, to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll see how that does. Um, we're getting some great experience today. And I know Mercedes is tweaking their model every day to try to improve it and make it better. Um, you know, they're ultimately trying to, to make it um, uh, negotiation free for a customer, which, you know, there's a lot of businesses and a lot of products that people sell where there is no negotiation and, and uh, prices are fixed. So, um, you know, we'll see where it goes, but we're, we're, we're leaning into it to try to learn as much as we possibly can. What, what I've learned from OEMs is that, um, and I was on the OEM side for 20 years, uh, uh, you know, they, they want to do what's best for customers too. And they need healthy, happy dealers to, to be successful because uh, healthy, happy dealers invest in their brand and hire great people and invest in their franchises and things like that. So uh, they can't do agency at the expense of dealers. And I think the, the good OEMs realize that. And I believe that certainly uh, Mercedes-Benz in the UK realizes that. It's been, they, they've really worked closely with the dealers to get to this point. I'm sure you would say that your OEM experience has made you a better leader in this position. And much like some of the other uh, either current or former leaders at the public dealer groups, they had that OEM experience as well. You you would concur, I guess. Well, I think it, it helps give me perspective on on what's important to them and uh, how some of the some of the critical success factors for their businesses. So I uh, I can certainly empathize with it, and uh, you know, great uh, great great dealers and great OEMs. They 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 uh, have a great relationship that is um, is uh, uh, you know hand and glove, and and they work together very closely. And I think uh, I think you see that in a lot of OEMs today, and some you don't, but uh, I think in a lot of them you do. And so that that informed me before I came to the retail side of the business, I can, I can promise you. So. Final thing, Daryl, if you were to have this conversation with me, or if we have this conversation a year from now, what would you have wanted to have accomplished in your first year or so? Well, one of the things that we've done at group one is, um, you know, our, our leadership team has changed uh, somewhat. We've had, uh, we had three retirements, right. uh, Really close together on the leadership team. And, um, so, uh, what that allowed us to do is to bring in some skill sets that we didn't have in the company. And, uh, some of that is around technology. We have a chief marketing officer now that, that we never had before that position never existed at group one. We have to get more intelligent about how we talk to our customers on their terms and, uh, the technology we use, uh, that's customer facing. And so, um, and we've also uh, uh, added uh, uh, a new M&A team at, uh, at Group One. So, you know, that, that will tell you about our focus on acquisitions. And uh, so we've got, we've got some, some new uh, team members on our leadership team. And I'm extremely excited about the things they're bringing us that we, we did, just didn't have some of those skills before. And you add that to our, our legacy team. And I, I think... Uh, I'll be really excited a year from now if, if, if we can grow the company and, and deliver results for our shareholders and, and uh, execute some of these new initiatives that we're looking at. So for me, that's what success really looks like. Wonderful. We wish you all the best of luck and thank you for being my guest on the program today. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. I'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks again to my guest, Daryl Kenningham. And thanks for listening to Full Throttle. Come back to us in May for our next interview on this platform. Suggestions? Email me at jstein at thepresidiogroup.com. 
And to learn more about the Presidio Group, go to thepresidiogroup.com or follow us on LinkedIn. Thanks again for listening.